This is the Lingaholics Podcast with Cody, Marcus, and Ian, where we dive deep into conversations about the experiences and endeavors of the language learning life. On this pod, we feature a wide variety of guests and topics with nonstop passion and nonstop fun. There's no last call for Linga Hall, so come on in and join the show. Un jour je l'ai vu, j'ai tout de suite su que qu'on allait devoir faire ces jeux absurdes. Bijou, bijou, et le tralala. Modou et Kuba, insulte, coup, etc., etc. Non, pas les miens, mais les siens, oui. Notre enfant deviendra aussi le sien ensuite. Enfin, c'est le juge qui insistera, j'imagine. Imagine-moi, télé sous le bras, et mes jeans sales, et puis tout ça. Je l'aime à mort, mais pour la vie, on se dira oui. À la vie, à la mort, et même en changeant d'avis, même en sachant qu'on a tort, on ne changera pas la vie, donc comme tout le monde, je vais en souffrir jusqu'à la mort. Je voudrais être son ombre, mais je la déteste, même au bout du monde. All right, folks, it all started this podcast with episode one, the debut. We've had lots of fun adventures. Along the way, uh, we've had our man in Barcelona, our man in Korea. Uh, we had home sweet Sweden. Uh, I talked a little bit about Ukrainian. Uh, we've had lots of fun guests. My friend Lee, our boy Ace Buck, my buddy Josh. It's been a long, long way, folks. I, I know I'm missing episodes. But today is episode 50 of the Lingaholics podcast. And we are honored, greatly honored to have today Ale, also known as Langaholic. So <laughs> lots of Langahol, Langahol, pick your poison, folks. Uh, we're going to have an awesome episode. Oh, sorry. A little stuff up here. Early morning here in Alberta. Um, awesome, awesome episode here today. So this is Senor Rainier on the microphone. And let's swing it here just to Ale. Uh, Say hello, and then we'll check in with our boys Sueco and Senor Kodo. So, Ale, how are you today, sir? I'm so excited for this episode, man. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Ever since I heard the Lingua Holics podcast name, I knew I was going to be here someday. So, finally here. Yeah, man. Awesome. And for episode 50, we're just like, this is like a synergy for us to, to have you on. So, sweet, sweet. Okay, let's... uh Let's get the other microphones in here. Senor Kodo, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing I'm doing really well. Um, I had my first day of work today. Oh and everything, snap. yeah, everything went well. So the job seems like it's pretty good. And uh yeah, just excited to getting back to regular life here. I was doing a bit of Korean studying just before the pod here. So got nice. my brain working, got my brain sharp. And of course, um uh I've been I've been cutting uh, all the coffee and beer and stuff out oh, of my life, geez. so I feel like my mind is a lot sharper right now, and uh, yeah, just had a good weekend, uh, just do- Wait, uh, you're, pin- you're cutting yeah, I- on coffee while in Korea? That sounds impossible. Oh, yeah. I- <laughs> no, it's crazy, like right? Koreans. Wait, yeah, Koreans are big? Coffee. They're massive on coffee. Oh, really? yeah there's there so when you walk uh, down the street here it's like coffee soju and beer everywhere 
pretty much. I think they're the country in the world that imports the most um, coffee. In, like, can you believe that? Really? Yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's really interesting because apparently the, the obsession with coffee started with uh, some Korean royalty. He was really into coffee. Because for him, it was like the new thing because Indonesia didn't exist, right? And he imported it. And since then, coffee has been seen as a high status kind of thing. And well, it just permeated into the culture. Wow. Oh. Yeah, that's really, that's really <laughs> incredible. Well, I, I can definitely see on the ground here just like how addicted to coffee this place is. Like, it's nuts. Because they're working all the time. They need it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, God. so they, <laughs> they need it. <laughs> right. Oh, sweet. Okay, cool, man. The first the first day of class was good? Yeah, everything went sweet. really well. I mean, this is my third teach. I have technically my fourth teaching job at this point. So, I mean, yeah. it's nothing that I'm not used to. So, uh, nothing out of the ordinary happened today. And it seems like everything's... Uh, oh, I mean, famous last words. It seems like everything's smooth sealing from here. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah Perfect. that's that's um basically all i got going on for me so i'll throw it over to sweco over in ontario yeah thanks there, thanks there. no i'm yeah, not sure. gonna be long i'm not gonna be long-winded here but i tried doing cody's anti-coffee uh lifestyle i i tried jumping on the you train tried. <laughs> no i no i'm still doing it i'm, I'm drinking tea oh I'm drinking okay tea thought... on, uh, gingebre. Ah, okay. Gingebre. we have some ginger tea here decaffeinated so no caffeine oh, but i, gotta, I thought you I, meant that, that like you gave up no no okay i tried it and i'm still trying it yeah okay <laughs> but it's not it's not easy folks it's not as easy as i thought because initially i just dismissed this idea as being uh uh not a big deal jumping off of caffeine but i've been i've been feeling the withdrawal i'm not gonna lie i've been feeling the withdrawal after two days i started getting some pretty serious migraines and body aches uh, from not drinking caffeine and um but now i feel better i feel better but it took me a week to get off yeah it <laughs> takes yeah, i tried it once and it didn't work either. <laughs> <laughs> no it took some willpower it took some willpower just to get over that four or five day hump right yeah and then now i'm now it's smooth sailing now it's actually smooth sailing so i'm a little nice. split on i'm not i'm a little ambivalent on if i'm gonna jump back on the coffee train or not i think i will but not every day it's gonna be like uh two or three times a week type of deal just less yeah because i do enjoy less it and I, it's sometimes like social you know like you you go with your friends to have a coffee or with your co-workers have a coffee mm. it's like so alcohol. I'm not... pardon it's like alcohol yeah it's like alcohol like it's, really it's like social yeah so we'll see i'm yeah. not I'm not decided on what I'm going to do here with my coffee habits <laughs> in the future. Yeah, fair enough. But hey, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, that's yeah, yeah. that's it for me. I, I'm going on vacation next week, so I'm pumped. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Off going, to... going, going back to La Patria. La Patria de Sueco. <laughs> La Patria <Right>. Suecolandia. <laughs> Wicked. Ale, are you drinking any coffee, tea? You are? Oh, double, okay. So to introduce yourself to our audience and then letting the world know where you are right now. So, so right uh, now let's I'm, hear. In, I'm in Belgium in right. the, in the, how you call it? Like next to Luxembourg, very South. It's the city called Aklon. Arlon in English, probably. 
And right now I'm traveling here, reuniting with my girlfriend after a crazy year with long distance and you know travel restrictions and whatnot. So finally here, enjoying my time and learning a lot of French. Oh, and then Belgian French? Yeah, Belgian French. Mm, okay. Yeah. okay, okay, cool. It's not very different, to be honest. It's not like it's own variety. It's not like Mexican Spanish and Spanish or Spanish way closer. But mm -hmm. yeah, this line can get you lost sometimes. So it's good to know uh, your way around Belgian French, for sure. For sure. And then how is there... What's what are the languages again in Belgium? Flemish is that like their yeah, Dutch? So, yeah, it's okay. French, uh, Flemish, and German are the three official languages. Right, 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 right. Spoken in a different region and in uh, Brussels, uh, Brussels, they speak French and Flemish. It's, they share like a half and half kind of uh, status. Like in you know official documents and stuff, they would not have any priority whatsoever. But de facto. People speak French in the street, in the store, whatever. So uh, okay, okay, right. Okay, interesting. But, but are people perfectly bilingual? Uh, it's a it's a funny thing. Most Flemish speaking people are perfectly bilingual, but most native French speakers are not perfectly bilingual. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. If sense. you go to any Wallonian city and like start speaking. Flemish to people, they either will try replying in English or just say like I don't understand and reply to you in French. But if you go and speak French in in Flanders, people will be mildly annoyed, but they will reply back to you. It's yeah, always okay. a safer bet to speak to them in English if you don't know Flemish or Dutch. So, so, uh, so Fr French is the more dominant. It is more dominant for sure. Yeah, um, in every region, pretty much, and. In, in daily life, and I've been traveling these past days in in Belgium, every corner of Belgium, and yeah, French is the master here. Oh, interesting, interesting, okay. I, I, I love Belgium, it's an interesting um, language case, because you only get to see that in Switzerland, I think, where many languages share uh, status, and yeah. people have to like, be civil about it, you know? Right, okay. Right, because we yeah, on this show we talk a lot about like the the English French dynamic in in Canada here, but yeah, yeah. for like a country more concentrated and smaller with the three languages, yeah, yeah, and, even more. And the in interesting part is that of course Belgium is between Netherlands and France, so they both pull to different cultural centers. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's like magnetism, no? Yeah, exactly. Magnetism. Like and it's, it's honestly, uh, I don't know, I'm very amazed at how Belgium can work as a country sometimes. <laughs> it's <just laughs> insane. Yeah. Yeah. So, what about German? No, German is not really spoken. No. Yeah. For the area where German is like the main language. But honestly, if you go to any. Uh, uh, how you call this? Hotel de Ville, like the administration office. No one will speak German. Official uh, procedures don't require German at all. The law is written in German because it needs to be, because yeah, it has the status of language, but no one really will speak it. Okay. Yeah. It's so, so, where are you at right now with your French? Are you able to use French in, in society? Yeah, I can use French in society. I can go out by myself, get uh, the thing I need. 
and I even speak with my girlfriend's family in French. Of course, nice. I don't have a super, super, super high level, but I can read books, that kind of stuff. So I, I can get by. Yeah. As a nice. And, w- and when did you start? So this is the most crazy language story I have, actually, because I started <laughs> when I was like seven or something. Oh. I went to a Canadian school in Mexico City. Okay. Uh, it was like Catholic Canadian school. And so they, they taught us, uh, of course, English and also French on the side. But the French was mostly like uh, you know marketing kind of thing. Like they just put like French teacher there, but we didn't really learn anything for like ten years. <laughs> so I left. You learned like a school. Canadian student. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. It's real Canadian then. So I graduated middle school without knowing more than three words in French, and I had to pick it up from zero again in in high school. I was forced forced to learn it in high school. And in so Mexico as well. In Mexico as well, yeah. It's a pretty big language in Mexico, I'd say. Um, oh, wow. After English, I think it's the number one language to learn as a foreign language. Oh, okay. And yeah, I, I picked it up again from scratch. I hated it because it was like forced onto me. I didn't actually quite choose it. I wanted to learn Chinese in high school, but well. And uh, eventually my brother moved to, to France. He became French, French citizen. And because I kept you know, that contact with him and visiting him, I kind of got more acquainted to French. But I never really actually got into it. I never actually felt it, you know? When a language clicks, it clicks. When it doesn't, it do like, you know, kind of mm-hmm. And so I kind of let it, let it on the side until, well, I met my girlfriend. And so <laughs> here we go. Yeah. So right. your girlfriend, is she a local? She's a local, yeah. So she's half Japanese. Her mom is Japanese, uh, she speaks Japanese, and I met her in Japan. But she was raised in Belgium, which makes her completely like a native French speaker. Oh, wow, okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, wow. it's, it's really convenient for my language learning, to be honest. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> don't say too much, bud. Don't, yeah. <laughs> don't say too much here, don't incriminate yourself. <laughs> that's, uh, that's this really salient point about how, like, something being like institutionally forced upon you like like a lot of languages can be in the school system versus like a relationship right like it's a whole other like ignition of passion i would say well i think even to this point i haven't really fell in love with french itself you know it doesn't really 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 click just yet but i mean it's the need you know i have to have to get good at it Right. Well, yeah, French takes time. It's not like, well, for you, Spanish is your native language, but it's yeah. not like Spanish, I was going to say. It's actually a trap because, you oh. know, uh, French, mm-hmm. uh, Sp- Spanish-speaking people say, oh, French is very similar. French natives say, oh, Spanish is very similar. You know, Romance language unites kind of thing, but no, 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 well, no, no, it, no, no. It's similar structurally, like grammatically. Yeah, but yeah. in terms and of etymologies and stuff, but in terms of pronunciation, yeah, it's different. It's different, it's different. Oh, yeah. orthographic rules. Honestly, it's it's it, it, it's an acquired taste. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, it takes some time getting used. Though, that's a good word for it. Training I'm your still, ear. I'm still on my way to acquiring the taste. Right, right. So, you, Ale, you're from you're from Mexico, Mexico City. Mexico City, that's right. Okay, and what brought you to languages? So I. 
was brought up in a house where traveling was the main thing, you know. Uh, my father and mother really enjoyed traveling and they really set it as a number one priority. What do I mean by this? Like they wouldn't spend much in other things, but when it came to travel, they were serious. You know, like they would live a very modest life just to be able to tra travel at the end of the year. And well, you know, travel is very related with languages. You go here, you don't understand this guy, but oh, it would be cool if I understood this guy. And so, mm -hmm. it, is snowball, you know, and eventually, and yeah, I got really, really interested in um, Chinese first. It was like my first language crush, to be honest. Um, English, you know, I was taught uh, English in school, so I never really questioned it. But the first language I decided to be like, oh, I like this. Oh, I can see myself doing this. Was for sure Chinese. So it was my first love. When? When was that? It probably was like. 14, okay, so and that was, that was through traveling? Uh, that was because I really wanted to go to China at first. Uh -huh, right, it, was, right it was like this opposite world, like, yeah. like going to Mars pretty much. And I was really, really into it, really interested, like getting all the apps. It was like back in 2010, getting like okay. super late, but still, uh, you know, studying. But my revelation kind of moment was when I went to China, and I was like, fuck, like, I belong here. You know, I, uh, I like, first not a bit. <laughs> and so because of that, I started with a very, um, you know, not similar language to Spanish or English. And that extreme way of studying languages, like going, like taking a big leap, I think that's what made me appreciate all the other languages in the middle more. Ah, uh, uh, okay, right. Yeah, because Chinese is such otherworldly, almost. An opposite. Opposite, much. yeah, yeah. It, it's as far as you can get from, I don't know, Spanish or English, I think. Chronology, right. grammar, writing system, so. So right. getting that extreme made me, you know, like, appreciate everything in this spectrum between right. know, Spanish and Chinese. And that was like my gateway drug to other languages. Gateway drug, yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. That's that's, fasc that's fascinating uh -huh. though, because I when I started doing this, I, I I went for the lowest hanging fruit, and I started with Spanish. Well, I already knew. I already but had that. Was like, your basic. travel experience though too? So that was my travel experience, but you know. It was intentional. Like I could have gone to China if I wanted to, right? Oh, okay. But I went. I still okay. went for the lowest hanging fruit. I, I mean, I had like the, some basics in German, but still, I, I still consider Spanish being like my first like polyglot endeavor. Um, right. because it was the easiest. I, I identified Spanish as the mo the easiest language for me to learn. Now you did the complete opposite. You went for like the hardest language to learn, which I, I thought I think is kind of interesting. So I saw yeah, on your I mean, Twitter, Ali, I saw on your Twitter that you speak Chinese, Japanese, and Korean, but you, you speak Japanese the best. So what, what right. happened there? Like, why isn't your Chinese the best? So, well, the thing is, Chinese for me is a lifelong project. Like, I'm not in any kind of hurry to get super good at it. I think the thing is, I love it so much that I want to take my time with it. I'm kind of scared nice. of going too crazy to focus on it and getting really good and look back and be like, fuck, oh, no, what? 
But if I kind of live it like semi mystery, I can you know keep hanging hanging out with it for like years yeah, and years. That's now. such a good point, right? Yeah. I kind of ruined Japanese like that. I mean, ruined because it's not like my number one language crush either. But now that I look back at Japanese, I'm like, huh, I'm actually not learning as much, or you know, I'm huh, it's not the same. So after getting to that level in Japanese, I was like, damn, I don't want that happening to my Chinese, you know. So trying to space it out, trying to enjoy the journey. Because for me, learning the language is the journey itself more than the, the you know, the points where I'm incredibly fluent and I'm like this um, C2 slash native kind of. Speaker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. So w would you say that like when you get to that point, you get bored? Yeah, because there's no more things you can learn in a way. I mean, that's all I like because you can always learn more. Mm. But I think it just takes longer to. It, it, I mean, there's not as much to, uh, you know, like dive into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For example, I can sure. I can right now open a Chinese book and find a million of interesting things that I don't know. But if I open a Japanese book, it's like one every once in a while. So it's like, ah, oh, okay, well, it's not the same. Pretty mm. much. Yeah, that that's fascinating. Yeah, the lifelong project that's fascinating because I feel like yeah, sometimes the language learning you feel like oh, it's like a gold rush. You got to go like get it while like the getting's good. Whereas if mm -hmm. uh, it's just like okay, I'm doing a little bit, a little bit. I think as long as you're staying somewhat consistent in that yeah. lifelong. Uh, path as long as you don't forget language. your progress i i think you're in a good path when you right. really want to right yeah just not forget like not backtracking or yeah, reverting yeah. Right. right okay so do you feel so that's your relationship with chinese do you have other languages that you're kind of doing this lifelong project process with um not really i think chinese is my only love that i would okay. be like, right trying to stay for the future for the rest, yeah, yeah. I could dive into them and just attack them, you know, kind of get over with, in a way. Because, <laughs> yeah, okay. for example, when it comes to European languages, they are a really good source of information. For example, if I were to learn, uh, well, I'm learning Dutch, for example, and I could Google stuff in Dutch, it's better for me to be actually good at Dutch so that I can get all the information I can in Dutch. Right, and right, right, Italian right. thing. So I, I see, in a way, languages like a database when it comes to not only information but like movies, books, that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. if I fast track a language and I get good at it real quick, I can enjoy. I can, you know, reap the benefits of my study. Mm. Yeah, that's something that I've been thinking about lately. Is just like in the beginning phases, and even when you're in the intermediate phase, like you can't really reap the benefits of your language yet. Yeah. Like it's not until you get advanced where you can really enjoy the language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah. I don't know if you guys get that. Yeah. Well, it's like it's 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 interesting. Yeah. Like certain reading about certain things, like on Wikipedia. Like sometimes the Spanish Wikipedia page has a lot more extensive yeah. information on a certain topic that I'm trying example. to educate myself on. So sometimes I go from the English Wikipedia to the Spanish Wikipedia just because the article, the Wikipedia article is much better. So that's a good example of that, like learning a language. Okay, you're not just learning a language. You're accessing another 
database of information yeah. uh, and that we have. Yeah, no, and that's super ways interesting. Of, ways of looking at life, even. Right. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I can imagine like learning an Asian language. I bet you there's yeah. crazy Wikipedia databases <laughs> for Asian well, languages. We, we that cannot we even start to imagine. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We can't even imagine it. Like it, they have information that we would never even. Uh, that, like that that we never even learned about right. recently I, I started thinking that yeah meeting people is nice getting to know people is really really nice but at the end of the day i think what you unlock is an entire like different life even you know right. having yeah. all that context is just amazing like you can talk to uh for example if you get intermediate japanese you can speak with a person and stuff and yeah he, 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 ha, ha, all fun and laughs right but when you actually know the context, the movies they grew up um, watching, right. like you can make, bring up references, and you can actually come up with jokes based on those references, like like memes. It kind of works like that, you know. Once you have all the context, you can actually connect closer to people. Hmm. Right. Okay. Can I give an example? Okay, because Ali, you're from Mexico. Like, did you watch Chavo de Ocho growing up? Yeah, of course. Right. Okay. That would be something like until I learned Spanish, I had no idea about <laughs> that right, show. Right, right. <laughs> and so, yeah. and so since, since you watch that show, you can have quicker rapport with, for example, Mexican people. You can be like, beep, 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 or bring up any other famous quote from it, and people right. will laugh and like you more. So that's pretty much how it works. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or uh, uh, Cody Marcus, what's that video where the kid falls? Oh, La oh. Caída de Edgar. <laughs> All those kinds of things give you an acumen, you know, give you like a context, give you, you know, tools to actually connect with people. So I, I really appreciate that unlock that I get from languages. For sure. Okay. Yeah. So with your current um, French and Dutch endeavors, do you feel that like you're tapping into those databases to like, <sighs> people there? That's an interesting question. So because I was forced, uh, air quotes here, uh -huh. to learn French, I don't necessarily feel attracted to French, let's say series, music and stuff. So okay. I don't... I don't feel really compelled to to get in, into that context, into that uh, depth uh, as of now. And for, in the case of Dutch, they don't produce much content in Dutch. They don't produce much series. You know, they're really good at English, so they yeah, almost right. resort yeah. to English for almost everything. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really hard to, to for me particularly to talk, tap into these two cultures. But for example, I recently started Italian. They produce amazing music, amazing series, a lot of art, and I'm just having an amazing time with it. So, yeah, it's pretty much a case-by-case -case scenario depending on where your interests lie. What language was the last one? Italian. 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 Yeah, yeah Italian. That's yeah. culture for you. Yeah. So, it's, I feel like a kid in a, in a, in a toy store, you know? Just, yeah. So many things to discover in in it that I'm enjoying myself like a kid, you know. And because of that, even I dare to say that I want to reach a C2 slash native level in Italian at some point because I just enjoy the 
the people, the food, the culture so much. This is just an unlimited um, resource of fun for me to enjoy life. So nice. I, I wouldn't see why not. I wouldn't want to pursue a super high level with it. Yeah, right. I totally yeah. agree. Totally. Yeah. So, Ale, would you say that you're more attracted still to Asian languages than European languages, or, or are you that working on a, your European ones? That is a very fascinating question because I think in the past days I realized that my interest for Asian languages was a moment in time because I was always um, really into discovering new cultures and stuff, and I got the amazing chance to be able to live in this nation stuff. That made me really um, interested even more in the in the languages of that place. But now that I don't live in East Asia anymore, right now I'm in Europe and I just went to the supermarket and I heard, because I went to Luxembourg. So I heard Luxembourgish, I heard German, I heard mm -hmm. Italian, I heard French. And for me, well, for a polyglots, I think this is pretty much paradise. You can practice any, any language you can at any any moment. Whereas in Japan, you only hear Japanese, you only hear Japanese. Maybe sometimes you hear Chinese, but it's mostly Japanese. So this mm -hmm. multicultural environment right now really made me um, start to question myself, question where my interest really lies in. And I think I'm realizing that Europe is where it's at for me right now in this moment in time. So I'm really focusing on European languages. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, like, I feel with languages, once you've been doing this long enough, and it's just like life, right? Like, you maybe if you lived in a certain city for a given amount of time, maybe you dated somebody for a certain amount of time, maybe you had really close friends for a certain amount of time. Like, that was me with, like, Ukrainian. I studied Ukrainian for four years before going to Ukraine and meeting my family there. And now I felt like that's been a chapter in my language learning life and yes to go back to ukraine now and again is fond memories and fun but it's not a central focus anymore like like for me german uh in the coming year is gonna be a massive focus because i want to go there so i feel like when you're talking about yeah like back in the time so like asian languages that was my thing now europe and then who knows what life's gonna bring in the future right, so i feel right. like with the polyglot because you can't focus on all these languages anyway at the same yeah, time so, so yeah, that makes a lot so, yeah. of sense. It was a, a moment in time for me, like like a picture that I keep with me, and I love it. And I'll try yeah. to maintain the language, to stay connected with it. You know, read a novel every once, and then uh, um, I mean, watch a series and enjoy it fully. But that's pretty much about it, I guess. Right. As a polyglot, what you your life experience is pretty much going to the next step or the next step depending where life takes you like like you said exactly yeah yeah so since i'm here in korea let's let's talk a little bit about korea so no, how long were you here and what did you do here so i was in an exchange for half a year in seoul yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. but the thing the thing though is when i was in korea i didn't want to learn korean because I was supposed to go to university in Paris because my exchange was supposed to be in Paris, right? But then it was when the terrorist attacks happened. Oh, and so they moved yeah. my exchange. Yeah, they moved my uh, exchange to Korea. It was also sudden. It all happened in the space of weeks. I didn't have time to prepare like 
like senior who prepared for five years before going to Ukraine. I just was like kind of, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like all oh, people like what's going on, you know? So I had to study real quick, but because of that oh, haste, I couldn't really enjoy the process of learning the language. And at the mo- mm. at that moment in time, I was wanting I wanted to focus on Japanese. So while I was in Korea, I started studying Japanese. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So so like when you were when you were here in Korea, like by the end of your time here, like how good would you say that you were? My Korean? Damn. I could I can sing in the Norevang. Uh, Korean. Yeah, <laughs> that's where it's at. That's what counts. Yeah, so I can read the letters and sing along and have the time of my life. I Karaoke. Stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so everyone knows. Yeah, everyone. Oh, Norebang. Norebang Karaoke. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'd say just really daily life stuff. But ironically, or crazily enough, once my and our Japanese level got to our actual good level. I we took a bit of Korean so as to not forget it. And oh my god, they're so similar. There, it, it's like if I wanted to study start to start studying Korean now, it would be as easy as, for example, French because the grammar is the same. That's what and I've most heard. words are are really connected. Like they okay, share the same. That's really good news for me because I. I don't know. I think this is going to be a later in life kind of project for me, but I also want to yeah. learn Japanese. And that's that's really good to hear because uh, Korean has been, it's been giving me a lot of trouble. Yeah. It's, it uh, it's really difficult to learn, I think. But the fact that Japanese is so similar that like makes me think that, okay, maybe all this work that I'm putting in is really going to yeah. especially pay off in the future if I learn for Japanese. Sure, sure. I, I was doing the Duolingo. Uh, from Japanese to Korean, uh, and they don't even give you grammar explanations because the word order is the same, the particle usage is pretty oh. much the same. Is, yeah, so, is that, uh, I was gonna say, what makes it so similar? The particle, like obviously, the um, subject object verb, yeah, but then, is it the particles that yeah, would be because so to similar? denote, uh, for example, to denote a subject, you would use two particles in specific situations. Uh, in Japanese, and so in Korean, it's two different particles, but therefore yeah. the exact same different situations. So it's like a one-on-one yeah. uh, pairing. It, it's wow. really like if you actually I taken uh, books of Korean explaining Japanese, and they pretty much just pass over the grammar because it, it's there's no need to explain grammar. It's so obvious. It's, it's, yeah, it's just so obvious when it comes naturally. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to learn Japanese in the future for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. And so, what about Japan? Like, what were you doing in Japan? So I was studying there for two years in uh, Waseda. It's a, a kind of famous university. I was studying Japanese and business full time. So I was working before, and I was um, saving. For it because it was always like my dream to go to Japan, and so I got into this program two years and I received classes in Japanese uh, for I don't know like five, six, seven hours per day for two years, and that really, really, really helped my level. Ooh, yeah. Wow! If you're taking classes for that long every day for two years, you're gonna get really freaking good. Yeah, so that's why your Japanese like a, is so good, eh? Skyrocket, yeah. Because honestly, before I went there, I, it was like good, but like, you know, like, 
uh, party trick kind of good, like just uh -huh. banter. Uh -huh. kind of good. But <laughs> yeah. when, when, when I started doing uh, business topics, uh, soci sociology topics in Japanese, that's grinding. That's that takes you to different places. And so uh, I would recommend for anyone who wants to get really good with a language to use it in a in a university setting. Like for example, Mark from Language Come Up yeah. went to Mexico and started taking classes in Spanish. He just asked teachers to let him sit the class, and he also agrees that that was the number one um, hack to skyrocketing a language. But he was; those were not right. Spanish classes. Those were just regular, like any generic university class, eh? Like Mars? Yeah, they were. Mark. They were in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but in they Mexico weren't like in like like Spanish language lectures. They were oh like no 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 no. Topics. Oh, different topics. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. right. Oh, um, no, that's smart. so. What did you study in Japan? Business. Oh yeah, you said that. Sorry, you said that. Yeah um, yeah. yeah. Uh, primarily business, sociology, that kind of those kind of topics. Yeah, it was. Was that stressful? <laughs> like incredibly stressful. Yeah, <laughs> like it's stressing me out thinking about that. School. I went to school in China, Mexico, Korea. It's a different world. Like Japanese teachers don't give a shit. They just give you all the homework in the world and expect you to <laughs> yeah. not have life and just do it. Right. So I was just, you know, doing the very minimum to pass but without yeah. sacrificing my time in japan because if i wanted to actually get like a straight a's and stuff i would have had to sacrifice many social gatherings you know and lots of opportunities to actually enjoy the country the people etc so i just did the very minimum and i guess because i'm a foreigner they were kind of like giving me like a pass so okay. i barely made it i barely made it to be completely honest with you because it was really hard hey but you have the time of your life I did, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did, it was probably the last two years of my life. So, so was oh. this a was this a part of a bigger degree you were doing at another university, or was this a degree no. within itself, or or how does how, how's your education been? So my education, I did uh, pretty much my university in Mexico, but I did uh, exchange things in China, and then China twice, and then in Korea and so. And then I graduated, did my own thing, uh, started working, and I decided like, fuck it, like I'm gonna uh, achieve my dream of uh, studying in Japan because I mm -hmm. wanted to do it in in college, but I couldn't because they asked for really high grades, which I obviously didn't have. <laughs> and um, just to get that sh like that stone out of my shoe, I just said fuck it and went there. Yeah. Okay, so how so much... that was that was after your university degree. That wasn't a part of any degree at all. Then you... no, 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 I just did my own degree. Anytime. Just for kids. Yeah. Okay, so how much how much schooling do you have under your belt? Because it sounds like you've been to school for a long time. It's actually not that much. I just did like the bachelor's thing in Mexico with the two exchanges and uh, this postgraduate thing in, in in Japan, and that's it. Because then I've been working and stuff. So yeah, it's actually not that much. And what do you do for work? What do I do for work? I work in a company where I actually get to use Chinese regularly. Oh, oh nice. Wow. It's, it's like dealing with Chinese uh, customer, uh, suppliers and stuff. So it's uh, it's really interesting. 
and really you know rewarding for me, especially for me because I really like uh, tennis. Good for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, like on a, is that like on a daily basis? Touch like yeah, touch pretty using much, pretty much. Wow. But okay. but because I you know technology and stuff, remote work, COVID revolution, blah 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 blah. blah. Uh-huh. I, yeah. I'm I'm able to work from here. Actually, it's even better to work from here in, in, in Belgium because it's closer to China time. So, so that's uh, right. Right, right. So far, yeah. Um, well, I don't know in the future what what's the next move, you know. So, so was yeah, that a reason yeah. why you got the job? Because you were able to speak Mandarin? Yeah, pretty much. I, pretty that, much. See, that's it's, I love that. Good. Like language learning will get you better jobs. Like it's of such course, like yeah, I had a tweet about yeah. this. It's such a good auxiliary skill to have in your career. And and even now I keep getting job offers for jobs in Chinese. I for example in LinkedIn I put in my profile that I speak high level French, high level Japanese, oh, wait. half level Chinese, and all the job offers are for Chinese. Like no like no one cares about like you know French and Japanese and wow. they just go straight for the Chinese. So right now I think that's where it's at. At least okay. in the very specific case of Mexico or I, I get offers every week. You hear oh, that, that Cody? Surprise me. That's something for you, bud. I Make did hear big that. Bucks. <laughs> Make those big bucks. Yeah. Bud. Yeah. Well, if the if the if my teacher plan fails, if that just like gets lit on fire, then yeah, I'll, I'll take something <laughs> like that into consideration for sure. But like Chinese yeah, yeah. business relations around the world, like that's just gonna yeah. keep getting. The rest of our lives. Oh yeah, like Marcus just sent us that picture in the. Yeah, like, I was gonna say this is very chat. relevant to Marcus. Do you want to explain that picture you sent? You know us? what? I might be able to pull this up on the stream here. Let me see if. Oh, I okay, can but do we it. still gotta explain it for the audio listener. But I can try to explain uh, it. It was basically a comparison. So it was a graphic of um, a global map, and it was it, it was um, it was contrasting trade relations between uh china and the world and the u.s and the world and it was comparing year 2000 from 2020 last year and um in in 2000 year 2000 most countries in the world were doing more business with the u.s than with china like um Mm -hmm. clear it's a map it was a clear yeah Yeah. it was a map it was a clear majority you saw this one as well this came up on my language twitter maybe that's why you saw it as well some some language person tweeted what what was interesting to me was that i don't remember i just saw it in my feed and i I sent it to the boys but then if you look at 2020 a map of 2020 the vast majority of countries in the world are doing business with china instead of the u.s uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna see if i can pull this up on the stream i might be able to because you know Streamyard is very fancy yeah, yeah. Let, let me see okay. what I can do here, boys. What, what was really interesting to me was that Mexico was one of the countries that still has more trade with US than with China. Yes, it's Mexico, uh, most Central American countries, mm-hmm. but then all of South America is China. Yeah. And it makes sense. If you go to South America, no one has an iPhone, everyone has Huawei, every single mm-hmm. one. Um, and then most countries in, in, uh, Europe now are doing more business, including Sweden. They're doing more business with China than with the U.S. If no, you go Western to the center, Europe, oh. no Western Europe yeah. instead. Uh, also, not not also. You go to Luxembourg, and all the buildings in the center of the city belong to China Bank, Agricultural China mm-hmm. Bank, this other China Bank. It's oh. invaded pretty much. Wow. Okay. 
Okay, I'm looking at the map here too, and I'm I'm gonna share it, buddy. You're sharing it, yeah, because um, share screen. Let's see. Yeah, like even I think a huge contrast. You look like Africa, Asia. Um, Oh, okay, Marcus. Oh, there we go. Okay, wow. There we got it. So everyone watching us on YouTube, you can see this now. Yeah. So for the audio listeners, so just the comparison between countries trading with the United States and China 2000 to 2020. And wow, you look at countries, like look at South America now. Holy. Wow. Africa is completely. Africa is completely China. Yeah everyone, yeah, everyone is with China now. And it makes sense. If you go to these countries, like everyone uses Chinese pr- products now. Like I was watching a video from some country. They're using Chinese buses. Like They don't buy like these uh, and, and like trucks, semi-trucks as well. They don't buy these like Mac uh, semi-trucks that you see here in Canada and the U.S. Like these U.S. made semi-trucks. They buy like Chinese stuff now. It's crazy. Yeah. Right. So Just an eye-opener for you. So, Ale, with your current job, would this chart be applicable to, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say this map is going to be 99% ready in a couple of years, five years, max 10 years, except for probably the UK and maybe France, but, yeah, it's it's pretty much... Canada, probably. Canada, probably. Yeah, we... Yeah, but, I mean, even the ones in blue, that doesn't mean they're not trading with China, obviously. Like there's still gonna be a, I think the the portion, and well, you, they have like the light blue too, right? Like, or no, sorry, that's that's the U.S. Sorry, sorry, yeah, but that's, yeah. I like sorry. Uh, <laughs> they should still make a chart saying like what percent of Canadian trades with China compared to the U.S. Like I'd like to see those numbers too. It'd be fascinating. Are you guys interested in learning Chinese or what? Well, I follow our boy Cody. Yeah. Cody's mm-hmm. got yeah, it. Yeah, I lived I lived in China for two years, and oh, I I managed to get fairly good when I was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we're in China. I was in I was in Yangzhou. Do you know where that is? Uh, Yangzhou. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Where were you? Uh, where was I? In Shanghai, first in Beijing, and then in Shanghai. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So you were in the in the big, big cities. cities yeah, I was I was a little bit more in the sticks. <laughs> yeah, you live the actual real Chinese life. Man. Two years. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Well, yeah, our uh, boy Cody's gonna... legit. Yeah, real G. It's gonna get us uh, all the. He's gonna invite for us the pints when he gets rich from writing <laughs> the benefits of uh, Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, one day um, here's open. <laughs> okay, Ali, I want to ask you about. Um, you're a huge Duolingo fan. Right. Yes. I'm yeah. Okay. Okay. And can you kind of like, all right, just even not just Duolingo, but how when you start a language, I'm always fascinated with people that have been doing this language learning for a long time. Um, like, do you start different languages, new ways, or do you have like a a go to like when when you're starting a language on day one? What's your what does that look like for you? So pretty much I dabble in it before. Okay. So when I yeah. know what I'm getting into, I probably won't feel it at first, so I just drop it. So a great 
tool to double, I think, is Duolingo. It gives you like the basics, uh, you know, audio, written uh, mm-hmm. alphabets, that kind of stuff. So I think it's a great doubling tool. But if it's a language that I already know by proxy, what do I mean by this? If I already speak a language that's similar to it, yeah, I'm most probably already acquainted with most of the, you know the sounds, the rules and stuff. So if I know I'm gonna start a new language and it's uh, related to a language I know, I'd rather pick up a book actually in this. Okay. Because right, right. a, a book guides you methodically taking the base of what you already know. I actually am a big fan of, I don't know if you guys know this series, it's uh, it's called Asimil. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's mostly, it's yeah. mostly written in French, but the way it takes you through it's actually super, super, how can I say, solid. Because it keeps bringing up words, and they keep, like, for example, if they bring up a new word, they bring it up five lessons later, and then they yeah. will bring it up Ten lessons later, like it, it works like um, SRS pretty much, like yeah, with, with yeah. system, and that's where it really sells in. So I'm, I'm becoming a big fan of this method recently. And right now I'm yeah. learning a, a secret language. Uh, it's related to one of the languages I already kind of speak. And so I bought this in a book, and it's been an amazing ride. It's fun. It's uh, it's working quite well. But if I were to start an unrelated language, like, I don't know, Vietnamese or Tagalog mm-hmm. or something, I would definitely start messing with Duolingo first. Right. So those little dabbles beforehand. Yeah. Before. yeah. It's a commitment, you know? Like, I'm not going to go all in before knowing what yeah. I'm getting into, you know? So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Duolingo has a lot of shortcomings as well. Like, it's like the opposite of this book. It doesn't follow a method. It just sometimes <laughs> use like random tests for random vocabulary. And yeah, for example, the Vietnamese uh, Duolingo teaches you animals, like in the second lesson. But that's, yeah. I mean, who cares? Like, yes, yeah, who cares yeah. about an elephant? Like, I want to order food. I want to say hello to my neighbor. You know. So yeah. sometimes Duolingo can be. It's something. It's hit or miss. Depends on the language, your goals. A lot of things, to be honest. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend Duolingo 100 percent of the time. Right. Well, you don't yeah. want. You don't want to. You don't want to learn how to say the gorilla eats a backpack. Not yet. <laughs> okay. Hey, hey, hey. I want to like. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, oh yeah, because that, that's what it always gets like shit on for. Is these? Okay. So the gorilla eats the backpack. <laughs> okay. No, I'm gonna defend this sentence here. In a way, because yes, it's it's ridiculous. But okay, I am you. You are learning word order, no? Like, so you're getting that. Like, I always wonder, like, what's Duolingo's point putting these out? Like, I feel like they don't ex- explicitly explain it sometimes. But yeah, okay, the girl eats the backpack. Okay, so I'm gonna get like my word order there. I am gonna get a few like pronunciation um, points from it as well. Like it's not a relevant conversational sentence by any means, but like, can I take the gorilla eats the backpack word order and start like applying that elsewhere? Like that's why I was kind of like, what's the logic? Like, should or should I be learning a more relevant sentence and word order as well? Like, I just because yeah, it always you could always all these like it's not just Duolingo, some of these other at like. 
uh, Glossica, I think is another one. Like, like just these really random sentences. But is there a point behind those sentences? Well, I think the fact that they're bizarre sentences makes them memorable. So that's yeah. good for actually remembering some words sometimes. Right. On top of all, yeah. all the things you said, which I agree on, I think because it's ridiculous, you're like, huh. And you might actually, you know, it might linger longer in your head. So uh, I'm crazy, actually. Okay. Yeah. I just, because it's every language has that on to yeah, a language. Yeah. Like everyone. Well, I think it's, so. I think it's definitely a good creative exercise, but it's not something you should focus on. But I, I it's, it's definitely useful because I remember back to my university days when I was learning German and Spanish and, and French. Like I loved doing that. I was always one of like the silliest guys in the class because I was always making like these stupid sentences and like just making <laughs> everyone laugh. And like that was so much fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it depends on your personality as well. If you're like more uh, inclined to that, it might work better for you. But for serious learners, I think the reality backpack might really yeah put them off. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like the relevancy part of that. So how long how long do you stick with Duolingo? Like if you start at when you start learning a language, is is it just through the dabbling phase and then you decide, okay, I, I really want to start become serious with this country with this language, uh, and then you shift resources or or how does that look like? It's a case by case kind of thing. For example, with Indonesian, there are no resources online, like it's super hard to find resources. So okay. I had to stick with Duolingo. I yeah. much have no choice. I finished the the tree already like three times, but with other courses like Dutch, for example, I I just let it there. I didn't keep going further because I got some books and the books are amazing and go over the points in order, and that works really well for me. So super case by case. Indonesian also has a very simple grammar, like Chinese, for example. So mm -hmm. you don't need to learn grammar with it, and you know you just need to learn all the vocabulary associated with it. You're good to go. So yeah, it, it depends. It depends on the language. Right. Yeah. Sometimes Duolingo is the only game in town if you're yeah. going for other languages. Yeah. So like it's ironic with a language like Indonesian, where what are there like a hundred million speakers, but just how certain like. Two hundred. Sorry, two hundred million. Yeah, there's more than that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like a lot. Um, and like, and that's even like, because I look at like the world's most spoken languages. Like, I think yeah. Bengali's like seventh. Yeah. But there's no Bengali Duolingo course, right? Like, so. um, I've never met a Bengali speaker in my life, and I've been around. So. Yeah, yeah. So some like even these mass, some of these massive languages have a deficit of yeah resources right so yeah. uh, how's okay okay i want to ask about indonesian after like uh, okay no, okay a have you done any esperanto and then b i've heard indonesians like in terms of like human languages like natural languages uh the closest to the easiest language to learn is that true that's pretty much true i okay. would agree the thing though is that you always start from a language, right? Like your native language is yes, uh, yes, true. So Dutch, German is always going to be a closer friend. Spanish is going to be a closer friend. Correct. But objectively speaking, if you start from zero, 
yeah, Indonesian would be the easiest language to learn. The, the okay. grammar is even simpler than Chinese. Right. Phonetic is very straightforward. If you hear a word, you know exactly how to write it. It's oh, really, that's really nice. Good. I love that. Oh, that's that's my, uh, that's French, my favorite French. thing. Pardon? After fr uh, studying French, uh, that's the most refreshing thing ever. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. yeah. That's honestly, that's <laughs> those are my favorite things about Spanish and German is that they're just, mm. oh, it's so nice just listening and like being, knowing exactly how everything's spelled. Phonetically. Yes. Write that out. So, so. Okay. So yeah, in Indonesian, Malay, pretty much the same language. Malay, right? Okay. Super recommend that if you want to learn a nation language and you don't feel confident with other scripts or if you don't feel confident with very complicated grammar, I think it's a great place to start. It's right. also really fun and lots a lot of uh, fun stuff. So yeah, and they having so much fun with it. People are really really nice in Indonesian. But not Probably not nice. quite as easy as Esperanto. Oh well, I never try Esperanto myself. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't. Easy, you can learn it in a week. <laughs> I, I can imagine. I can imagine. I learned I it in four hours. Yeah? yeah, you got good at what? Cody no, was just... riffing after four hours. Cody was riffing. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, how easy Mar it is. Marcus and I were doing it. Cody like walked in and he just sat and listened to them instantly picked it up he's picking stuff up that's so silly yeah there's no grammar to learn really yeah what is it like 20 so, rules ian 16. so what's the grammar like basing on english or what yeah subject verb object and there's only the accusative case um oh. but it's um very everything standardized like all the present tense has as all the future tense os past tense is uh plurals you put a j on um if it's a if it's a direct object in the accusative case just add an n um wow. that's basically that's half the rules right there. and then yeah. and then it's super easy like antonyms you just add mal right to the, to the beginning right. of the word so like you have <laughs> like, like good which is bona and then not good is malbona mal bona. Right? and you do that yeah. for everything and Varma, add, Malvarma, like warm, right, right, and then cold. you have all these uh, like base words for things, and if you put that, you can put the, the the words, the base words together to yeah. create longer words, right? So you can oh. get infinitely complex by just adding these basic, the the fundamental yeah. words together. Okay, like, like suffixes. German or Turkish uh, agglutinative. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a little bit like that, but simplified. Yeah. I wouldn't say like oh. full on agglutinative. I have seen how long some of those like crazy Turkish words can get, but yeah. uh, like, yeah, like the certain suffixes you add. And it's... What was that word you said? Agglutinative. Agglutinative. Yeah. Agglutinative. That's a cool word. Yeah, you That's, do that uh, as well. That's a big. Which one's? Ali, do you Turkish? Um, is German's not technically agglutinative? No, I don't. Oh, I don't know. No, I'm not that. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, does okay. that just mean? Sure. Does that just mean creating compound words? Yeah, basically, in like adding suffixes. Ger and... Germ Germans. Like oh that. yes, yeah, yeah. Germans an agglutinative. Agglutinative. Yeah. <laughs> Germans <laughs> super agglutinative, man. Yeah, like I don't echo. think compared yeah. to like Turkish though. Like, I think certain words. Yeah, I got I know the crazy compound words in German, that can be made too. But I think it has agglutinative elements, whereas like I know Turkish. <laughs> Catch the thing with German is that it's nouns. 
So just noun after noun after noun. But with Turkish, it just like can be anything, right? Yeah. You keep building it probably like a layer. Uh, but with German, you right. can do it with prefixes and suffixes too. Oh shit! Yeah, that's true. Like ours. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But I well, think certain yeah. languages, like Turkish, like you just you form like those are like your sentences almost with right. like it's one word, but it functions as a sentence. So From my understanding, about... yeah, yeah, I, I believe oh, like name. yeah, lots of and it's just a, like a linguistic quirk in certain languages. Like I believe the Cree language, a native language here in uh, yeah. Western Canada, also agglutinative. So, I heard it's one of the hardest languages in the world, uh, the Cree. Oh, I, I have no idea. Um, indigenous languages, I did something. It's been just from my dabbling, you kind of get like surface level uh, yeah. glances. Like I know, in I think this might be a uh, an, an indigenous language feature. Anyway, they have like inanimate and animate odd objects. So, like oh. a tree is living, so that would be yeah animate. Where I don't know if a rock would be living, so that might be in. Oh, there's a difference so. in Japanese tree. Oh, oh, they have that feature. Yeah. So to say oh. something living is there, you say iru, but if it's something inanimate, you say aru, and it changes. Oh. It keeps branching out. It changes a lot of things. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. So- so, guys, sorry here. I have an example for these. What do you call it again? Oh, agglutinative. Agglutinative yeah. germ- in German. Agglutinative word okay. in German. Okay, so perfect. the longest That's word perfect. in the German in the German oh, dictionary geez. is... <laughs> you ready for this, Are Cody? you going to say this? I'm going to say it. Kraftfahrzeughaftpflichtversicherung, which means... That's one word. And that means motor vehicle indemnity insurance. So in English, oh, you would divide up those four words yeah. into four separate words, but in, but it's it's one thing. It's an insurance for motor motor vehicle indemnity, right? So it's yeah. it's, it's one noun. So in German, you just put all that together, which makes sense because it is like one thing. Like it's not four separate things. It is one thing. It's an insurance specifically for this one thing, right? Yeah. So you just put it all together. You, you take those four words. Can you pronounce it again? Kraftfahrzeug. <laughs> Haftpflichtversicherung. Oh. That is not the one that I've heard. I've heard a different one, but I what just is, looked it up and heard? I'm getting another result. Okay, go, I'm go, read go really, Let's hear it. This one's I way won't. longer. Okay. Okay. Donau Dampfschifffahrts Elektrizitäten Hauptbetriebswerkbauunternehmen bei Gesellschaft. Can you say that one more time? Say it one more time. Holy crap, okay. Donau Dampfschifffahrts Elektrizitäten Hauptbetriebswerkbau unter Beamtgesellschaft. Damn. So, what is the translation there? That's some type of. Okay, what is that? Electric Oh, God. That's Association for Subordinate Officials of the Head Office Management of the Danube Steamboat Electrical Services. Aye, aye, aye. Okay. It's 80 letters. <laughs> is that like okay, is that compound words or I don't know if that's a gluten of Yeah, those are all words. those are all words. Yeah. Isn't it the same? Isn't no, that like a gluten of like there's no prefixes in any of that though? Like um <laughs> just grammatically. Just 
They're just nouns. Like, so I'm going to compound words. So that doesn't count as a gluten? Uh, not from my understanding. Think... No. No. But it's insane still with the, the compound words. In, in Indonesian, you put a prefix and a suffix to almost every noun, depending on what you're trying to say, but it never goes more than like that. Like, it doesn't keep growing. Right. So, yeah. So. <laughs> so if the average German heard that, they'd just be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, but we have that in Sueco as well. Like you would have words what do you like say? that in Sueco. Do you? Yeah. Really? And it's like it's completely normal because it makes sense. It's like exactly like if you were to take motor vehicle indemnity insurance and eliminate the spaces and make it into right. one long okay. word. Fair That's enough. exactly how it works. That's how it is. Yeah. Okay. Because, and it makes sense grammatically too, because you're it's not like it looks kind of weird if it if it's separated like that. It's like motor vehicle, okay. And then indemnity and then insurance, like what? You know, like you should at least put like hyphens in there to make to just symbolize that it's one thing, like one entity. But now it looks like there's four different entities. So your brain automatically has to make the association or it has to right. make the agglomeration of the four words into one right. entity, if that makes any sense. So like English doesn't make any sense. Mm. But I, could, I could easily argue that doesn't make any sense. Just separate them. <laughs> no, <laughs> like I a breath. Motor vehicle. I don't, know. I don't know. It's interesting. Like you yeah. subconsciously have to understand that these four words mean the same thing. Uh, or they should be a glom. They should be uh, um, understood as a unified a unit, a unit and like yeah. it's easy for you because you're nate like you're not used to any you never learned anything else but for like an english learner that's like it takes some time just to understand that yeah especially yeah, like if you maybe i don't know maybe because because it's pretty much all the kanji or hansu are ideas put together and right the building of words works like that the office of the blah 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 and you see it's all put together without spaces and it's little ideas that form a greater idea so yeah and like yeah sense. so chinese does you can make compound words in chinese like that too and it's really convenient but it's it's way easier because you end up even if you have like a compound word with like 10 words then it's just 10 yeah. syllables yeah because yeah. all words are just one syllable Right. So, so Ian, one more thing. I bet, I bet you, if you get German and Swedish students, high school exchange students at your school, and just yeah, like which a word, I do, for example, yeah. yeah, right, just like vehicle insurance, they would write yeah. that in English if they're if they're uh, beginners, they would write yeah. that as one word in English. Oh, interesting. Vehicle insurance. Yeah, yeah. That's, they yeah, separate you... that because they're yeah. used to they're used to writing that as one word, so they would write vehicle That's insurance right. with no space. Yeah, I forget. There's a term for that when you're taking even like a your native language and like like uh, applying it onto your new language. Like uh, there's a, like it's like an interference type of term. So okay, right. That's so interesting. Eh? This is I think yeah. that um, manifests the most when you're talking about pronunciation. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I think the ironic part about this is that like when people are learning a new language and they are afraid to make the new sounds of the language and uh -huh. like experiment with the pronunciation. And then so they just end up using the sounds 
of their native language. And the irony behind this is that they just sound even more silly using their <laughs> native languages sounds. So yeah, that's just like that's just a common problem that uh, we see a lot with like beginner language learners. I do it a lot even in advanced levels, so it's really hard to get over it. It's, yeah. it's one of my biggest problems as a polyglot, actually. So the pronunciation, yeah. Ace had a fascinating tweet lately. I was about um, how his mus his face muscles were sore from like his Chinese pronunciation practice. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, because he physically was altering, like almost like doing a new like lift using different muscles, right? Like if you're going to the gym, yeah. right? Like this is like yeah. you said, like they were sore. <laughs> sore from language learning. It's like Makes sense though, because he's he's yeah. really honing in on that. And especially Ace is learning French and Chinese at the same uh -huh. time, and those are entirely different phonologies. Right. It does. It it feels bad. With Dutch, you know, there's this <laughs> sound going uh -huh. on all the time. Yeah. At first, I had throat pain, like that. Really? It was painful. I woke up with pain in my throat from studying languages. And with Chinese, yeah, you can start on the tongue too. So you right. need to adjust your mouth to uh, different, you know, uh, setting of uh, sounds and movements that you wouldn't do otherwise ever. So, mm -hmm. and with Spanish, we we we're very like straightforward with our stuff. And recently, with language learning, I've been studying like IPA and uh -huh. how yeah. how it affects like pronunciation of stuff and i've been doing like tongue gymnastics recently just trying to pronounce some of the ipa stuff this is really fascinating and i really want to get good at that because i think that will be the unlock to actually get over my pronunciation problem in most languages mm -hmm. oh so you're doing these exercises to learn ipa yeah yeah because yeah. i realized mm -hmm. i was butchering french and some other languages so I decided I'm just gonna learn like the actual linguistic side of it, like how the tongue moves, the fricative, yeah. the labial, the labial, the blah 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 blah. And then yeah. I realized, yeah, it does help. It does help a lot. At least having the understanding of it really can unlock some uh, interesting new sounds. Yeah, and just you gotta take you gotta. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, just for our non IPA, our non linguistic audience ipa stands for international phonetic alphabet just for the listener um okay once you've oh sorry what were you gonna say cody i just gotta say you gotta take your mouth to the language gym <laughs> yeah, yeah you gotta get yoked on languages yeah, yoked. Yeah. <laughs> so so ale have you since doing some ipa work and has that have you kind of applied that now with other languages yeah, definitely uh -huh. so you know with spanish there's uh, you know, B and B, they're the same sound. They're B and B. Yeah. And I never realized it was a different sound in English until I was 25 years old. Right, right. I, I never, I never heard B, B and B. But not, now I can hear it. Now I can say it. But I spent like 15 years of my life speaking English with one single B. And I never realized how, like, looking back at it, how crazy it must have sounded. Like saying I, I'm very high level in English and like you know giving speeches in English and stuff, but pronouncing this like that, and l learning the difference between, for example, F and V, happened only recently when I started studying Dutch because it's it's a very subtle difference between those two, 
and only because I learned the difference, like the visual, like how it looks in the mouth. When uh -huh. you do it. Only because of that, I've been able to do it decently. Not even uh, properly, just listen. I have a funny like anecdote from my life, like because I always learned because I learned German when I was a kid, so I yeah. always say like I drive a, a VW, I drive a Golf. Mm. So when I when I tell people what car I drive, I always tell them I drive a Volkswagen. <laughs> like I always like, <laughs> I always pronounce it with an F, like instead of a V, because everyone here is like yeah. Volkswagen. I'm like yeah, yeah, Volkswagen, yeah. Volkswagen. <laughs> Does it? Yeah, yeah right. Mexico but I, like automatically, I I pronounce when I say VW Volkswagen, I say I pronounce mm. it with a with an F because that's the way I learned to pronounce mm. Volkswagen. Yeah, yeah. Even uh, we had a trolley in Mexico because it was a Volkswagen. Volkswagen. It's in B twice, the label B twice, Volkswagen. And the problem though is that if I go back and say like you Volkswagen, like it wouldn't be like. How do they pronounce it in Mexico? Is it Volkswagen? Volkswagen. Volkswagen. So, so B, B Volkswagen. Volkswagen. It's now, now that I look back at it, it's hilarious. But when you, you when you don't know better, it's like yeah, of course it's like this, you know. You know, it's even worse in in Spain because I feel Mexicans are generally pretty good at English, so they pronounce everything as like the english correct way usually but in spain it's horrible like they're atrocious yeah. atrocious at, yeah, at no. this like yeah, you know yeah. like youtube it youtube it <laughs> my spanish yeah, you do it. my in, in but but in like my mexican friends usually say youtube they still they still yeah, say we, youtube yeah, we, but we my, my, my spanish uh i talk teacher he says airpods <laughs> like airpods 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 <laughs> yeah he said <laughs> And like, and like Starbucks, Starbucks is Starbucks, Starbucks, Starbucks. <laughs> but Mexicans still say Starbucks, right? Well, is yeah. is that better than than Korean? Because here it's Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, yo, okay, I I don't know if I remember this correctly, but what is it in Japan, Ali? Starbucks. Starbucks. Okay. Starbucks. 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 Okay. Oh, yeah. I think Spanish. Well, the, I think Spanish from Spain is the funniest. Spanish from Spain for is sure. always going to be the for funniest sure. when it comes sure. to anglophonisms. But the, the way that Japanese people deal with that is they shorten the word. So to not say Starbucks, they would just say Starbucks, and they would cross oh, all the words that are right. that and just make their own version of it. For for example, instead of saying. Uh, uh, for example, if something is really good percentage-wise um, compared to how much you pay for it, like good quality, qu quality price relationship, they say COSPA. COSPA, that means uh, cost performance. It's like the uh, short term, okay. cost performance, COSPA. And that makes the language way easier. And that's uh, a really a good example of how you can adapt foreign words and make, it, make them yours. Mm, yeah i know mm. korean really does that a lot with like this conglish words too like they always they always start with an english word and then they make it into yeah. something that's way different <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but just i just thought about starbucks in chinese because chinese does a thing where they take english yeah. words and they just make them sound super chinese like starbucks in chinese is xing <laughs> and they love that word 
because it's half English and half Chinese. Mm -hmm. So Xing, Xing means star. So that oh. part is Chinese, but Bacchus is just Bacchus. You can't translate right? Buck. You can't translate bucks. Exactly. They, they, they couldn't be asked, or they couldn't find the word, but it's just bucks. Wait, so what it's is, Chinese, what? English, and I love that word. How do you say it again? Xing ba ku. <laughs> okay. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. It's real different. Have we ever talked about on the podcast the game we play when we're driving around town, literally translating? so we did the lingaholics uh boot camp we we're all living together and like just i actually got this from uh alejandro i think cody was doing it like we'd see oh we we're doing it in, like from english to spanish but like literally translating things which yeah. just made it hilarious like walmart became uh i'm <laughs> like like Pared Mercado. No, no, no. Literally. No, no, no. no, no, no. no you have to translate them literally word for word. Literally. Like Safeway, Segura Manera. Like Sobeys and Tances Besides like laughing so hard. Like that sounds like the Chinese are just like, yeah, it's called the star. Star Yeah. People who know English do that all the time to sound edgy, you know? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, like, let's go to the Pared Mercado. You could just say it to all the person who speaks English, and they might take a few seconds to get it, but they'd be like, ah, yeah, let's go or something. We try to include it in the daily conversation. Yeah, especially young yeah. people, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that. I love that. Any any Paul got to try it, you'll get you'll get a ton of laughs. <laughs> so oh yeah, just, hilarious. It just sounds hilarious. Yeah, that's fun as hell. And speaking of translations word. again, so Marcus, you were saying that in Spain they they had to do the funniest things with English. They also do the funniest things with like translating movie titles. Hey, I remember in our oh, group yeah. chat, um, un, tío, we un were... tío buen colgado, un tío buen colgado. That's <laughs> which one is Weekend that? at Bernie's. Oh yeah, some way it's a movie. Know, you guys know Crash Bandicoot, the video game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Crash Bandicoot. In Spain, the title for Crash Bandicoot, they call it Carlos el Topo que gira. <laughs> Carlos el Topo que gira. So Charles the spinning mole. Okay. Wait, <laughs> and, 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 sorry. What was the translation of that? What was the English? Uh, Charles, the spinning mole. No, no, no. But what was the English? What was the what? What Crash movie? Bandicoot. Crash, Crash Bandicoot. Bandicoot. Oh. The video game. Yeah, yeah, got video it. Game of, of the spinning. Yeah, right. right. It's insane, but yeah, that's Spanish translation. In Mexico, we would translate it as yeah, same Crash Bandicoot. Same right. English, you know, but Spain doesn't give a shit. It's just like you know, completely changing. It's hilarious. I think the term I've heard translated it's called localization. Is when oh, you, yeah, yeah. you you take something foreign and then like localize <laughs> it. Right. Yeah. The the other funny one that we had was Home Alone, which is Mi Pobre Angelito. Oh yeah, I've heard that one. Right. Home Alone. Ah yeah. Yeah, Pobre Angelito. Yeah, yeah. Poor little angel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I think the whole point is like making it stick, right? For 
like that. Yeah. The, the whole point is, is to sell. Audience. It's to sell, exactly. If, if people yeah. remember it, click on it, and embrace them, embrace it, then it's a success. But yeah, sometimes I really have my hesitations when it comes to Spanish from Spain and their localizations. It, sometimes it feels like too much. Like well, Fast and Furious? Yeah, I was just going to say Fast and Furious. What's Fast yeah. and Furious? It's like a, a total ass or something like that. Oh, okay. I just saw because oh, here, here in Canada, we have here in Canada, everything's translated, so it's in English and French. So I saw a, a movie poster. Hmm. Um, if you're okay. the latest one, I don't know what number it is now, but I saw it in French, which makes sense. It's just le rapide et le dangereux. Okay, so it's just directly. They didn't translated. get nifty. Yeah. They didn't get nifty. It, 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 in Spanish, it's the rapide furioso. Oh, okay. so clean does the job. It's great. Right. Right. Well, I, 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 mean, I, like, I wonder like, what would um, what would Space Jam be? I wonder. That's, in Mexico for sure. It's Space Jam because I grew up Jam? in that. Okay. Sure yeah. Uh, in Spain, Somebody might be like, <laughs> Amigos Planetarios, jugando basketball or, or something. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just love to be in the boardroom meeting when they're like trying to figure out these yeah, 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 yeah. translations. Be like, how does this? How does this hit? I would, I would pay to see that. Totally. Oh, that's. Good. I would love oh. to be a part of it. As a, <laughs> imagine if that was you. You're just like a title consultant in other languages. That'd be so much fun. You just have to like. Oh my god. Right. Maybe my job actually. <laughs> Solid. Yeah. Yeah, I know language. Just seeing the, the crossover and the between all these languages. It's like how does it all come about? So I find uh, that's always like the like the hardest one of the hardest things to reach in any level though is knowing movie titles. Like I feel like no matter how good you are in a language. You're never gonna know the movie titles. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's part of the context thing I was talking about earlier. You know, like probably you want to bring a reference from a movie that probably they've seen, but if you don't know the title of that movie in that language, then you're also like a bit lost. So. That's the thing about a language. Like you can get infinitely good at a language, right? Yeah. You can get infinitely good at any language you want, including your yeah. native language. Like you could like, there's always more to learn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Context Always more, seriously. Like, which is amazing. It is kind of the gift. I know, like Ali, you made the point about, like, with your Chinese being a lifelong project, and you know, like Japanese, maybe not so much new stuff, but um, I do feel like, yeah, with it's the gift that keeps on giving in sense of like, even with my. Spanish, like there's the podcaster Diana Uribe, and she's got like a whole series oh, on great. Latin America. Like, I just want to like plow through all those. There's so many movies, Mexican, Spanish, like other Latin American movies I haven't seen yet, and it's just all there waiting. So, lifetime is not enough. Seriously, yeah, life lifelong learning. So, I know it's kind of a cliched educational slogan, but. I think it's more true in languages than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Right? Because 
like we'll do 10 years from now i'll be like hey i learned a new spanish word today <laughs> like it'll always be yeah new probably something like a little new so you can always get better yeah i wish i have enough uh, lifetime to keep reaping the benefits of all the languages but honestly i think yeah. we're spoiled by chance so Ale, what's next on your plate now? You mentioned you're, yeah. you're starting with Italian and you're you're going hard uh, at French. Yeah. I've been, what, what's next I've been on doing, your plate? So Italian has been a project for two months. I've been doing a bit of Luxembourgish, but I have a major language uh, in the process. It's, it's uh, a language I started two weeks ago. I'm trying to keep it secret for now. I'm trying to make a real video, but I'm pretty sure you guys are going to love it. It's, uh, it's oh, now I'm really it's curious. Yeah. Okay. I okay. So that's the, that's what's coming uh, in the you know, short term. But in the long term, I would really like to start Turkish, like I said. Uh -huh. Like the Agustin part of it is something that, you know, I kind of help myself, you know, it triggers me. I really want to know more about it. Yeah. And I, I say my my language end game would be to learn uh, maybe Tibetan. Tibetan? Tibetan. Yeah, Tibetan. Yeah, wow. I went to Tibet two years ago, and it's definitely my favorite place in the world. And I want to like, have more opportunities to go back there and know more about really? it. Really? So, you, you went to Tibet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow, what, what was that like? Yeah, it's mind-blowing. It's honestly like a different world. And time of my life, honestly. Super recommended. They let you yeah, in. You special they let you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You apply for it. They may, you give the give you the permission, maybe not, and they mm -hmm. get it to me. It's one of the advantages of having a non-controversial like passport, for example. Uh, do they let you get, go if you're American? I do not know. That's a great question. I don't. I bet I, you they don't. Most probably don't. But you, you guys are Canadian. Should have any problem, right? Yeah, no, I'm just saying. I love, I love finding like little exceptions in the world where Americans yeah. can't go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to. That gives me a lot of pleasure. Yeah. yeah. So, have you looked at like, uh, isn't Tibetan? Is it related to Mandarin at all? Yeah, yeah. It is. It's, it's the Sino-Tibetan family, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, I forget that. Or, or Sinaitic languages also. And is it yeah, an alphabet? Doesn't have its own alphabet. Yeah, they have their own alphabet. Yeah. And okay. the craziest part about Tibetan, and the reason why I haven't started it yet, is that they have an orthography that is crazier than French. So this oh, means dude. that what you hear and what is written are completely oh, no. different, almost. Yeah. Uh, Very different because they have like oh, roots going no. back to like two hundred, uh, excuse me, two thousand years ago, and now like. What you hear and what you see are not the same, so that's a turnoff in a way, but it also makes me super curious about it. Absolutely, yeah. I went. Yeah, that's the thing about this, these languages that they might seem obscure, but it's that mystery that I feel like yeah, it's like yeah. uh, I gotta see what this is. <laughs> for sure. So beautiful, uh, boys. Well, we're pushing close to an hour and a half. So, um, how do we feel about wrapping this up here? So, Quickly. so just one last question here: Are, yeah, you, are yeah. you planning on sticking around in Europe for the time being, or do you have oh, other yeah, plans? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, so, you know, right now I have my job in Mexico and stuff, but my girlfriend is living here. And so, yeah, most, and I really like the, of course, language aspect of it. Like being in Luxembourg, this area, it opens the door to many languages, many cultures. Most things are at least um, an hour drive away. And it's really yeah. interesting. So I'm really considering moving here for the time being. And if that happens, you guys are welcome anytime. Oh, oh we'll thank be, you, sir. Yeah, yeah cool. Uh, I'm going to Europe next week, but I don't think I have time to head down to Belgium. Oh, no. Where are you going, though? Unfortunately, I'm going to Suecia. Sweden. Ah, yeah, I mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. Only. Hmm? Yeah. Only, only Suecia? Yeah, I'm only going to Suecia. Very, very, very. Nice. I haven't been there yet, so really yeah, excited for nice future. Yeah, it's a nice place. Yeah, so that's pretty much my my plan. Trying to, um, you know, reunite with my girlfriend. Be where like all the languages are being spoken, spoken in the hearts of Europe. So that should be quite interesting. So let's see what happens, how it develops. I'm very excited. Yeah, cool, man. Absolutely. Yeah, sounds good, man. You live a cool life. <laughs> so far, so good. Super cool. So hey, far, man. So good. Yeah. Anytime you need a place in Canada too. Oh, so shout. Marcus is out east. I'm out west. Oh. I'll take care of you. Just, just yeah, don't go man. to Winnipeg. Just don't go to Winnipeg. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? Just don't go to central Canada. It's <laughs> a dump. It doesn't exist. Don't worry about it. it doesn't exist. Um, I, I was going to say that my favorite dish in the world, and you can fact check this with anyone that knows me well, is Canadian. It's poutine. Yeah, I love my sauce. Oh, so I really need to go out there. Does Belgium have poutine? No, they consider no, it the same because they're very curious with their fries. Uh, they, they have their own sauces and stuff, but not gravy. So I gotcha. the gravy, yeah, the yeah. gravy is very Canadian. Yeah, yeah, very okay. Canadian, bud. That's yeah. our touch. I, I I went to Canada once, but you didn't have enough time to try it, unfortunately. So it's on my list. So thank you guys. Anytime, anytime. Um, awesome. All right. Well, huge thanks to Ale for being part of episode fifty. Cool little milestone for Langaholics to do it with none other than the Langaholic. So um, super awesome. Uh, just for the listener, uh, we're going to take our first ever break, kind of. We're taking a three-week break-ish while uh, Marcus is away. And we got a really interesting, cool episode lined up when we get back about the Afghan interpreter crisis, if there's anyone interested in that. So that's down the line later this month. But uh, Ali, thank you so much for uh, being on this episode with us. So. so much fun, and I look forward to seeing it live. You betcha. Uh, wait. Merci uh, beaucoup. Uh, merci. Merci All right. End broadcast. <laughs>